Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor Daryl Feemster. Well, it's good to see you here this morning. Welcome. Today's a special day. Five years ago this week, God blessed New Covenant with Pastor Chris and Candy Valdez, Allison, and Abby. And let me tell you, for the last five years, I've walked with Chris, and I have seen not only his love and relationship with the Lord, but I've seen their great love for you. And uh, I want to tell you, he's the real deal, okay? The real deal. And we are honored. So, happy anniversary. We love you. (laughs) Wow. We are proud. If you have your Bibles, let me invite you to turn to two passages, Second Chronicles chapter 7 and Mark chapter 1. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and Mark chapter 1. By the way, Chris didn't pay me to say those things. They are truth. Uh, we're living in crazy days, aren't we? Crazy days that turned into weeks, turned into months. Never dreamed, never dreamed things would still be going on like they are. And it seems like everything's stuck up in the air. There's no consensus of opinion. There's more fear than there is facts. The unknown is seemingly more prevalent than the known. And if you're like me, when things and times like this come and life just kind of overloads you, the thing that I do when nothing seems to be going on the way I thought or planned or even imagined, I go to God. Uh, I begin to pray, not those now lay me down to sleep prayers. I begin to pray, God, what's going on? How long? And then this real good prayer, help. But I also began to look, I began to look inside, and I'm asking God, is there something that, that I've done, or is there something I need to do? Why is all this happening? I don't have explanations. I start to repent, start to name all those things that I could even think of that might be in the way of what God might want, and uh, heaven knows there's plenty to be repenting of. And one day, I was in my time of prayer. It's been about three weeks ago now, I think, maybe a little longer. And I was asking God all these questions. I was confessing my sin, repenting of my sins. I was repenting of your sins. I was repenting for the sins of our nation. And, and I heard clearly in my mind what happens after repentance. That just stopped me. Right in the middle of my whining. What happens after repentance? And immediately, a scripture came to mind because it was prevalent. It's been on Facebook. It's been everywhere. Second Chronicles 7, 14 is what came to mind. But I want to read to you. When I flipped over to the scripture, I started in verse 13. Second Chronicles seven thirteen. it says, When I shut up heaven and there's no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land... 
or send pestilence among my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, you know, as a pastor, I had read that hundreds of times, preached it. And uh, so in my prayer, I was saying, God, have I missed something? Was I missing something? What are, what are you trying to say to me here? Because I realize Second Chronicles 7.14 is a principle of Scripture. It is the way that God is that when we're in trouble, we can use it to pray with His promises. And uh, so uh, we can use it in times of distress. You know, humble yourselves. Let me just quickly tell you, I've preached it before. Realize you're not in control of anything. You do realize that, right? You're not. And if you don't realize that, these days are going to show you. You're not in control of anything. And the things you think you're in control of, just wait. You're not in control of it either. Pray. Talk to God. Seek His face. Seek Him, His person, His presence. Not just what He can do for you. How much of my prayer time is praying for God to do something? But do I seek Him? And then turn from your wicked ways. That's the word repent there. Repent. Turn away in order to turn or return to God. As I sat there and I heard, as I was going over this in my mind, I heard these words again. When is repentance enough? How many times do you repent? Again, it just stops me. And I realized, even at that moment, I was repenting over the same things I had repented about multiple times. Not just for myself, but in, but, but in identifying with other people, our nation, our pride, our sins... And God began to just like a, a movie scroll kind of going. And he took me back. It's been over 20 years ago that we joined with those of March for Life around the city of Lampasas. And we marched in opposition and repenting for the abortions that had taken place in our nation. I remember those times. And, and as, as I saw it, I began to just see real after real. I remember the prophetic acts that we had done over the, our community. And before Hannah Springs was ever built, how we walked around it. And we asked God to bless and make a firm foundation for our children in learning in a new school. I remember those times when seven pastors gathered at the seven entrances into Lampasas. And we prayed and asked God to forgive us. And we repented over the city. And we made declarations that Lampasas would belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we drove a stake in the ground at every entrance and we put that declaration in the ground. And we were repenting and asking God to come and be real in our midst. I remember those times when I would join with other places. I, I remember going to conferences and we were repenting over racial injustices toward our Native American brothers and toward the slavery of our history. I remember us gathering around a black kettle and repenting back in the slavery days when for fear of being heard or, or interrupting, the slaves would pray into a black kettle and cry out for deliverance unto God. And I remember us gathering around and praying and repenting. And these were 20 and 25 years ago. 
All of a sudden, all of this is rolling over in my mind as I'm sitting there saying, trying to answer the question, when have you repented enough? And I kind of got the idea God was trying to get my attention. How many is it going to take? And all of a sudden, I realized God's not waiting for 330 million Americans all to get on board and repenting. In Ezekiel 22:30, it says this, I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But then look at these last five words. But I found no one. By this time I found myself crying out to God again. Right in the middle of my prayer time. What am I supposed to do? And the Lord led me to Mark chapter 1 verse 15. I want you to... These... You'll see it. It's the first words that Jesus proclaimed after coming out of the wilderness temptation. It's his introduction into ministry. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. It's on the screen. The the time promised by God has come at last. Now, I know the context of this, okay? I know what it meant then. But you've got to understand, I just asked the question to God, what am I supposed to do? And God says, the time promised by God has come at last. He announced, the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Now, I'm going to read this out of some other translations because I want, you to, I want you to get it. Because it took me a minute to get it. How many of you, it takes you a while to get it? The Passion Translation says it this way. At last, the fulfillment of the age has come. It's time for the realm of God's kingdom to be experienced in its fullness. Turn your lives back to God and put your trust in the hope-filled gospel. I know what it meant in history when Jesus was saying it, but it's still true today. And then, for us who are hard of hearing, we have the Amplified Version. The appointed period of time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Change your inner self, your old way of thinking. Regret past sins. Live your life in a way that proves repentance. Seek God's purpose for your life and believe with a deep abiding trust in the good news regarding salvation. I saw it. You say, saw what? Repent. And believe. Repent. And believe. There's something that's got to come after repentance. The first thing is. Believe. Repent. And believe. Now. By no means am I saying repentance is not essential. I ought to have been repenting for 20 years. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that what God was trying to get my attention for the day that we're in right now, that God is doing something right now 
And it's okay to repent and repent and repent, but you can't turn repentance into a work. God wants us to believe in Him right now for what He's going to do. And so I'm going through this. So what is repentance? In the Hebrew, in Second Chronicles 7, 14, the Hebrew word is shub. Shub. It expresses a radical change of mind to turn away from evil and to turn and return to God. In the New Testament, it's metanoia. It means to think differently after. Now, isn't that a good definition? To think differently, okay, but after. In other words, you come to think differently after you come to realize what's going on. Let me just give you an illustration. You're going down the freeway at 70 miles an hour with a destination in mind. And you're going as fast as you need to go. And you find, and all of a sudden you see a sign and you realize the road that you're on is not going to take you to where you thought you were headed. In other words, something exposes you to realize if I keep going on this road, I'm not going to get to the destination that I had planned on getting to. So what do you do? You take the next exit and you do a U-turn and you go back to get on the road that will take you to the right destination. Now, repentance is not being sorry you're on the wrong road. Repentance is not being really broken hearted, nor is it beating yourself up that you've missed the road. Repentance is when you realize this road's not going to take me to my destination, that you change the way you're thinking about the road you're on, and you turn around and you get on the road you're supposed to be on that'll take you to the destination that you was always planned to go. Repentance is not being sorry. I'm sorry for what's going on. I'm sorry. No, repentance is being realizing that the things that the way we're headed is not going to get us there i got to turn and return to the right road it's not just turning away from wrong it's turning to the lord it's turning to him who gives grace for the change and yes you've just wasted gas And time. But how many of you know God can make up for wasted gas and time to get you to the place you always wanted to be? Repentance is not enough, though. I'm not denying repentance. In fact, Jesus said in Luke 13:3, unless you repent, you'll all likewise perish. In other words, folks, there's a lot of roads leading to nowhere. Dead ends. Literally, dead ends. And you can make out your best map and you can have it planned out, the five-year goals, the ten-year goals, and all those goals. And you realize that when you get to that place where you thought you were always wanting to be, you find out there wasn't what you always wanted. And nor was it going to give you life and peace and joy. Well, what do I do? Turn around. 
There is a life available to you through the Lordship of Jesus Christ that will always lead you to the destination. Whether you know it or not is where you always wanted to be. It's the very best for you. And here's that part of repentance that we often leave off. What's after repentance? Believe. Believe. The Old Testament word is batach. I practice that. Batach. It means to trust, to have confidence in, to find security and safety. In other words, I'm going to find my safety. I'm going to find my truth. I'm going to find my confidence in the one who's not going to move. Who's sure and certain. I'm going to trust him. The New Testament word is pestuo. We get our word faith. It's translated faith in the New Testament. It means to entrust, to trust in, to have confidence and assurance in. So what am I supposed to do? Mark 1.15, Amplified. The appointed period of time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, regret your past sins, live your life in a way that proves repentance. Seek God's purpose for your life and believe. Now look at his definition. With a deep abiding trust in the good news regarding salvation. I'm to repent. Yes. But after repentance comes believing. That confident assurance that what God has said, He will do. Well, what will He do? What will He do? Second Chronicles 7.14 again. I'm not going to read the Scripture again, but I want you to know the word that I was missing. The word that I was missing in Second Chronicles 7.14 was the word Then. What comes after repentance? Look at the then. Then I will hear. I'll hear you. Now that word hear in Hebrew doesn't just mean that he's going to be listening for you. It means that not only is he going to hear you, but he is going to respond. He's going to respond. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 in the New King James says this, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. Now look at that word confidence. That we have where? In Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Now look at the response. And if we know, if we're confident, if we have this knowledge that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we'll have the petitions that we have asked of Him. Now, that's not a, you get whatever you want. It's you're praying in. Listen, you know what I want right now? I want God to show up. I don't care what He does. I just want to know what He's doing. I want to be a part of what He's up to. You see, I've quit praying those little prayers of God, would you do this? And God, would you do that? Would you? Because here's the thing. I'm dumb as a brick. I don't know what I ought to ask for as I should. But the Holy Spirit is given to us that we we don't know what to pray for. He makes intercession for us according to the will of God. And here's the thing I want you to get. When you're crying out, not that now I lay me down to sleep, but when you're crying out, God help, here's the thing I want you to have confidence in. He hears you. 
Not only does he hear you, he's going to respond. I'll hear you from heaven. I'll forgive your sins. I'll forgive you. I'll forgive you. The word forgive means to cast away, to leave behind. First John 1 John 1.9, before I get there, how many of us keep repenting for the same sins over and over and over? You say, well, preacher, I do them over and over and over. Well, then that's because, that's because you don't know what forgiveness is. You see, forgiveness not only takes care of your past, forgiveness cleanses you for your future. Let me prove it to you. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, who's faithful? He is faithful and just, righteous, to forgive us our sins and to, say that word with me, cleanse us. Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. How much unrighteousness? And so when I get out there and I do it again, you know what I'm believing? I'm believing that I'm no different even though I've confessed my sin. I'm believing that God really hadn't forgiven me because if I'd forgiven me, I wouldn't be doing it again. No, folks, you're doing it again because you choose to. The power of that thing has been broken broken off of you in the cross of Jesus Christ. The problem's not with the repentance. The problem's with the believing that that no longer has power over me. You say, preacher, you you saying you don't sin? No, I'm saying that I don't have to. Every sin I do after becoming a Christian is because I choose to, or I'm ignorant, and I hope it's ignorance. I hate to think that I would literally choose it because knowing what Christ paid for it. But I do. And so do you. Just wanted to put that in there. (laughs) But let me tell you something about God. It's in the New Covenant. It's in the the promise of the New Covenant that's quoted in Hebrews from Jeremiah. Hebrews 8.12 For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. I will remember no more. I will remember no more. It doesn't mean he's forgetful. What it means is I will never bring it up again. When he forgives you, he will never bring it up again. If it's being brought up, guess who? If it's coming at you, guess who? In two weeks, we'll talk about that who. The whole point I'm trying to say here is he's going to forgive you. And let me tell you, he will never bring it up again. He'll never say, Darrell, remember when you did this? Did you know when I was praying, he never brought up my sins that I was repenting of. He brought up what I'd already repented of and how I'd walked in repentance for those 20 years. Isn't it amazing? He brought up what I had done, not what I'd done wrong. The third is, I will heal. And that word is Rapha. Rapha. God used it in his own name when he said, I am Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals you. 
Now, I know most of us, we talk about physical healing, and, that, and that's part, and that's included. God heals those he chooses to heal. God heals those who look to him. But, but I'm sure this word means to, be, means to be made whole. It means to be repaired. It means to be brought back into to what it was supposed to be. Heal, cure, repair, make whole. And all of that, the reason we have that, and we know now with confidence that we can make that claim, is because Jesus... By His stripes we are. Yes, there can be physical in it, but listen to me. There's something so much farther beyond physical healing. And that's being healed inside out. Made whole. I've told Connie, if I get to the place that I'm about to die, don't pray that you'll resurrect me. I know you love me. I'll love you from the other side. Now, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. What I'm saying is my confidence is not in this life. My confidence is in Jesus Christ. And His life in me is my guarantee forever and ever and ever. That was free. That didn't cost anything. Isaiah 53, 5 says this, But He... Speaking of Jesus, prophesying of Jesus, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Now, let me just be honest with you. Most of you who are in church, a lot of you who are looking, watching online, you have repented and repented and repented until, let's just be honest, we've turned repentance into kind of a spiritual work. We think if we just repent, we just repent. We don't really expect anything on the other side of it. We just think that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to repent. We're supposed to repent. And I think here's what God was saying to me because I was doing a lot of that. And, and basically I was whining repenting because really here's what I believed. I believed things were really bad and I didn't know how to get out of it. And God said, Daryl, when are you going to... What's on the other side of your repentance? And that's when he said, Daryl... Believe me. Believe me. Am I willing to believe him? That what he's promised, he's going to do. Now, some of you were here in January when I preached a series and I told you that 2020, I gave you a word I believe that was for 2020. I believe that we were entering a beginning, a new spiritual era, not just for the next 10 years, but I believe that God was about to work uh, things in this year that was going to de- be dealing with mankind in a whole new ways. And I didn't have a clue what I was talking about. As you can well know. And I, I remember telling you, things are going to change. Ooh, I had no idea. But then God showed me there's multiple times in our history when God... Now, God loves freedom of choice and will. We have that. And God moves according sometimes according to us. But there's times in history when God, in His sovereignty, moves providentially. And what that means is God's going to do what He's going to do to accomplish His purposes. And He doesn't need a multitude. He, doesn't, he just needs one. Just needs one. And I can show you in Scripture. You know, Noah. 
Things were getting bad in the world. In fact, it had never been so bad, and God literally regretted for having made mankind. And so God providentially picked a man. Now, I believe Noah believed him because it says no one had found grace in God's eyes except Noah and his family. God picked one and literally saved one in order to save mankind. Noah, you look at Hebrews 11, Noah believed God and God did it. Come to Abraham. You say, preacher, you're going to be here a long time if you cover the whole book. (laughs) Abraham. He was in an idolater's family. And providentially, God comes to one man. And Abraham believes God. And it's counted to him for righteousness. And God makes him into nations. Moses, 400 years they'd been in captivity and God's, they've been crying out. And, and here's what's, so God says, I've heard their cry. I'm thinking 400 years and you're just now here? No, he heard it from the beginning. But in his providence, it came to a time in history when God had purposed for a deliverer. And he providentially saved Moses And he raises him up in Pharaoh's house. Pharaoh is preparing the Israel's deliverer. But here's the thing. uh, Boy, I'm going to get them mixed up. Moses lives for 40 years in Pharaoh's house. And Moses, knowing he's going to be a deliverer, but here's what Moses discovers in his first 40 years. He can't deliver. Here's a deliverer who can't deliver. I identify with that. Do you? It took 40, some of us, it's still working on us. You think, well, I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to do this. And when you realize you can't do it, you now are ready for God to prepare you to do it. Humility. It's another sermon. God brings Moses after 400 years. He talks to him from a bush. Moses comes in with miracle signs and wonders. God delivers his people and leads them out. And it would have only taken them probably 6 to 11 days to get to the promised land except for their unbelief. And for 40 more years, they wander in the wilderness because they wouldn't believe. What comes after repentance? Believe. We get to Jesus. Jesus, in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son born of a woman. Jesus, God was in flesh, redeeming mankind. Pentecost. Acts 2.38. The Holy Spirit's come. Peter says, each of you, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to show that you've received forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you hear it? Repent 
and believe. With every new era, the same thing is found. Repent and believe. I can go down through history that's not in the Bible. They tried to kill Luther. When Luther got a revelation of faith. You've got to understand it was all about repent. Change the way you're thinking. To think after when it hadn't worked. Think after and change the way you think and believe. Believe what God is doing. Here's my whole point. I believe for over 20 years we've repented. It's time to turn to the Lord and believe the promises He's given us. Repent and believe. And one thing God said to me this week, I was out walking and the Lord, I was meditating on this message. I, I was thinking, gosh, I'm going to get to preach. And I was meditating on this message and God gave me James 1, verses 2 and 3. And I want you to see it in the message. I want you to see it in the message. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come, to, come at you from all sides. Boy, is that ever a true thing right now. Consider it a sheer gift. When they come at you from all sides, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. I want you to hear me. What I, I was walking along and I get this and God said, Those things, it, this thing is not testing your character. It's not testing your endurance. This whole thing going on right now is testing your faith life. Who are you going to believe? What are you going to believe? It's showing your faith true colors. Am I trusting in what I can do, what I can put together, what I can get across? Am I trusting in what I used to do? Am I trusting if well, if I'll just keep on, keep on, you know, I'll just, I'll just be faithful. No, faithful is what I'm believing Him for tomorrow. I'm believing God for what He said to me. He's promised us incredible things, even as a church. Let's believe Him. Okay. What would God say to us today? And here's what I believe. I read this this week and God said this is the word for today. Psalms 37. I'm just going to read it. Let me read it over you. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they'll soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they'll soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you'll live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and He will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust Him and He will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn. And the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Don't lose your temper. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. Verse 39, the Lord rescues the godly. He's their fortress in times of trouble. The Lord helps them, rescuing them from the wicked. He saves them and they find shelter in Him. Turn your attention today to God 
Ask the Holy Spirit to give you eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand His ways right now. And give praise to God. Next Sunday, next Sunday, we're going to dedicate the entire service to praise and worship. We're going to turn our attention to God and we're going to tell Him who He is and we're going to tell Him what we think of Him. And we're going to worship Him and give Him all of our attention next Sunday. We invite you to be here. After that, I get to preach again. But next Sunday, He's got center stage. And we're going to give Him praise. Have you repented? I want to invite you to take a hard look at your life. Are you headed in the right direction? God's direction? Will the way you're going right now get you to where you think you ought to be? There's a road that leads to life and all other roads are dead ends. Literally. Repent means to think again and change. There's grace available through Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He will give you eternal life. Life eternal. The life God always intended you to have. Some of you say, Preacher, I'm like you. I've been repenting for 20 years. Let me ask you, do you believe? Today. Do you have confident assurance that God is really in control and all things are going to happen just like He said? Do you trust Jesus? Do you rely on Him through the Holy Spirit to lead you, to help you, to keep you? If not, today's the day. Turn your attention to Him. Take the next exit. Do a U-turn. Say, God, the way I'm going ain't going to get me there. I trust you. I believe. I believe. And if you do, then stand up and declare it. Understand what I'm saying? Declare it. Quit quit being ashamed of who you believe. Pastor Chris and I were praying before the service, first service, and while we both prayed, but while he was praying, I saw this picture, and I think God wants to do it this morning. I saw this picture that God was literally reaching down and taking us by the hand and lifting us up to stand. That's all I saw. Here's what I want to invite you to do. If you need God today to stand up, stand you up on your feet of faith and you've looked full at His face, I'm just going to invite you and just close your eyes and in faith just lift your hand. Just lift your hand and invite the Lord to lift you up. Holy Spirit, we stretch out our hands to the Lord Jesus Christ who is, who was, who is, and is to come. And we lift our hands and say, Lord, we're ready to believe. We're ready to stand. We're ready to having done all to stand. Lord, your way is true. I want to turn my back on what I'm fearing and turn my face toward the one who's holding me and keeping me and loving me. I trust you. Today. Tomorrow when I get up, I'll trust you. I'll choose to trust you. And the next day, I'll choose to trust you. But for today, I lift my hands to you. 
and I trust you to lift me up. Give me eyes, give me ears, give me a heart to see what you're doing. I will declare it. Father, we come to you trusting that you will make it real in our lives. There's so many voices being spread through the world today. Tune our ear to your voice that we respond quickly. We trust you. Thank you for listening to this week's message.